because we're in rough, and so we're weary, and we're like, we just want to get out of this. That we're watching for signs. We're watching for the door to crack open. We're, we're watching for all these things instead of waiting for direction from God. But the reality is this direction is what we really need. And we have to be willing to wait for it. And the reality is when we wait for the Lord's direction, things go so much better. Caution. Exit through door 7 only. All other rooms contain... Man, even tigers! A little more helpful with direction, right? Instead of just prying open the first door that we see, letting the Lord speak and give us that direction. Go through door 7. Whatever his direction is. Waiting can be hard, but there's always a purpose. And, and God uses that waiting time. In Isaiah 40:31, it says this, But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting can renew strength if we let it. Waiting can also wear us out if we allow it to. But if we wait upon the Lord, if we're patient and we sit at his feet and we wait upon him, it can renew our strength. It can help us move forward. And when we trust the Lord, we don't get put to shame. In Psalm 25, 2-3, it says this, O oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. We don't have to fear the tiger behind the door when we wait upon the Lord and we seek him and his direction and his timing. Waiting's hard, but there's always a reason. <clears throat> Often, our plans aren't God's plans. Often, very often, our timing is not God's timing. And we're not the only ones that experience this. Paul experienced this too. He, he had a plan. He wanted to go and preach in Asia. But God had a different plan. In Acts 16, 6-8, it says this, They passed through the Figurian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. So God, or Paul had a plan. He wanted to go, and he wanted to preach in Asia. So why did God stop Paul from doing that? We don't really know for sure. we got a picture to show here. It kind of shows what Paul's plan was, and then you know the dotted lines are kind of like the Holy Spirit going, nope, not so much. You know, He wanted to go into Asia. Holy Spirit said no. Made it to Messiah. Wanted to go into Bithynia. Nope, Lord said you can't go there. And by this time, he was frustrated. It's like, why are all these doors closed? I don't understand. 
you know, he, he began to get frustrated, but once he got to Troas, Paul got a vision. So let's pick up in Acts 16 at verse 9. It says, A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and on the day following to Napolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in the city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer and we sat down and began speaking to the women who assembled. So again, why did did Paul get redirected? We don't know for sure. We can speculate. Maybe it was for his protection. Maybe if he had gone the places that he had wanted to go, there was a tiger behind that door. Maybe Jesus wanted the people in Macedonia to hear the gospel first. Maybe the, the vision that he got of the man was somebody that was praying and asking the Lord. And Paul's redirection was an answer to prayer. We don't really know for sure, but the reality is we don't always get to know. That's why we have to trust the Lord. Now later, Paul was allowed to preach in Asia, He spent a short stint in Ephesus, and then a little while later, he got to spend several years there. So his plan to preach in Asia came about, just not in his timing. You know, sometimes the Lord leads us places, and we're thinking it's going to be like a direct flight, right? We're thinking we're going from here to there. But sometimes he bounces us through a couple of cities. Sometimes there's people in other places along the journey that he wants us to to touch and interact with and point to him. God's timing is perfect. And he knows all things. So we just have to trust him. And we have to trust him in the waiting. We have to trust him with the journey. Now sometimes the waiting is truly just waiting for God's timing. He knows what he's doing. Paul wanted to preach in Asia, and eventually he got to, just not when he was planning to. But whether our waiting is truly like sitting at a dead stop doing nothing or moving forward but going a different direction than we thought, it it doesn't mean that we're necessarily going the wrong way. And it doesn't mean that God is waiting either. Sometimes even though we're waiting, he isn't. Guys, he's always working on our behalf. He doesn't grow tired or weary. We just have to trust him and wait on him. In Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, it says this. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust, and in some translations say wait upon the Lord, will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. 
We can trust his timing. We can be at peace in the waiting. I know it's hard. And the things that we've come to used to and experience in, in our world that makes the waiting go away makes that waiting harder sometimes because we're not used to it. But he'll open the door when the time's right. Now, sometimes the waiting is for his timing, but honestly, guys, sometimes the waiting is Jesus waiting on us. Sometimes he's opened the door and he's given us direction, but we're hesitant. Maybe we're unsure about what we see on the other side of that door. We wouldn't be the first. When the Israelites were headed to the promised land, that's exactly what happened. They were told to take the land, that it was theirs, it was their inheritance, it was their promise from God. But they saw giants. In Numbers 13, 1 through 3, it says this, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourself men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent from them from the wilderness of Paran, and the command of the Lord, all of them who were the heads of the sons of Israel. So Moses sent out twelve spies into the land, one from each tribe. We'll pick back up in verse 25. When they returned from spying out the land, at the end of forty days they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told them and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So they saw that what the Lord had, the door that he had opened for them, it was good. But then there's the, you know, the comma but that comes next, right? In this case, it's nevertheless. <laughs> nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are far too strong. God opened the door. He opened the door. And what was on the other side was theirs, and it was good. But there were only two of the twelve that were sent that wanted to go ahead. Only two of the twelve that wanted to be obedient to what the Lord had spoken. Friends, sometimes we get the false impression that if God's in something, that it's just going to be smooth sailing and easy every time. That's not always the case. It's just not always the case. Sometimes there's giants we've got to go kick out of the land. Sometimes following Jesus is hard. He never promises that there won't be challenges. But he does promise that he'll be with us, that he'll go before us, 
If God's in it, there's going to be victory. And we can trust what he tells us. We hate to wait, but sometimes the waiting is on our end. Sometimes Jesus is waiting for our obedience. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're in a place where you're waiting for the open door to move forward, to move on to that next season, to that next thing that the Lord has for you. So the question is, has he spoken? Has he told you to go through the door? Has he given you the land? Are you hesitant because what you see, what you see, doesn't look great? Looks challenging. Are there giants? Are there roadblocks? Are there obstacles? Friends, that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not about what we see. It's about what he sees. Friends, I would much rather trust in what the Lord sees than what I can see because my sight is limited. My sight is limited. Our sight is limited. He sees everything. We have to trust him. Or sometimes the waiting can be even longer. Now you guys know this story, right? Caleb and Joshua are the only two that came back with a good report. They saw the giants too, but they also saw and believed in what the Lord had spoken. They said, hey, if God says it's ours, we can take it. But as a result of the disobedience of the majority, that waiting became 40 years of waiting. Could you imagine waiting in line at the grocery store for 40 years? 40 years worth of gridlock traffic? Your Amazon package coming 40 years later? Like, whatever it is, you probably don't need it anymore. Right? But only Caleb and Joshua got to enter the promised land because of their faith. Now, at the end of those 40 years, there was another chance to trust. They had to cross the Jordan River. And again, as before, the Lord had given instruction. Joshua 3, 7 through 13 says this. Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. You shall, moreover, command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will assuredly (laughs) dispossess from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, uh, the Hivite, the per- uh, <laughs> Perizzite, the Gershite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rests in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. So, again, I mean, the Lord didn't really change his mind. The promised land was the promised land. 
but because of disobedience, the door got closed. But when the door was reopened, the Lord still wanted them to demonstrate their trust in him. When God had led the Israelites out of Egypt, he parted the Red Sea before they took a step. But this time, they had to get their feet wet. God wanted them to step out in faith. Now, fortunately, this time around, they did. And it wasn't another 40 years of gridlock traffic and waiting for groceries. But, <clears throat> but guys, sometimes the waiting is Jesus waiting on us to demonstrate our trust in him, to demonstrate um, that we're willing to step out in faith. So maybe that's where you are. Maybe Jesus has opened the door for you, but he wants you to step out in faith. You may have to get your feet wet first. A few weeks ago, Christine had a word. and She said that there were some people standing at the edge of the water, and Jesus was saying, I am still the God of miracles. Don't get to the edge of the sea and give up. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're following Jesus, and he said, okay, Step out. He, you know, maybe he hasn't said, I'm going to part the waters, but he's saying, get your feet wet. <clears throat> but what you see is a raging river overflowing its banks. Maybe you feel stuck and you want to give up. But friends, he is still the God of miracles. He is still the opener of doors. He still can make a way when there's no way. But sometimes he wants us to step out in faith. Sometimes he just wants us to be obedient to what he has spoken, to get our feet wet, to get our hands dirty. But he's always with us. When we find ourselves in that place, we, we tend to look for the open doors. And we think that the ones that the Lord has opened are going to be easy. As Ty had said, we're too often asking God for permission for what we want instead of direction for what he wants. I'm guessing we've all experienced this too. I'm just being honest here. When, when Jesus has given direction to me, he generally doesn't give any more until I'm obedient to what he's already told me. Have you guys been there? I have. I mentioned earlier that I'm in one of those transitional phases right now. And I've been praying and I've been seeking the Lord for direction. And for a while I was honestly frustrated with Jesus because the only thing he would speak is don't worry about all that. Keep your eyes on me. But I wanted more than that. I wanted go here, go there, turn left, turn right, take door seven, there's no tigers behind it, whatever. But I'd realized that God was repeating himself because I hadn't really done what he asked. I was still looking at doors. I was still looking for solution. I was still looking for sign. I, was, I wasn't looking at him. Because waiting's uncomfortable. And we are people of action. We don't like to wait. In that time, I was tempted to get my pry bar and go open some doors myself. But Jesus says, no, don't 
Don't worry about all that. Friends, if that's where you are, if you're in that place where you're ready for the next season, just take a deep breath. Take your eyes off the doors and just refocus on him. Debbie, if you could come up. We don't have to worry about the doors. We've got to keep our eyes on him. Why? Because only by keeping our eyes on him are we going to know what to do when doors do open and if they're from the Lord. We can't trust in in our sight. That open door may have giants. That open door may have tigers. We don't need sign or permission. We need direction. If we're looking for the path forward and we see rocks and boulders and raging rivers and giants, we're typically not going to just dive into that, right? We're not. But if we keep our eyes on him and we're listening to his voice and his guidance, we might find out that that's exactly what we need to do and that it's going to be okay. We just have to have faith. We just have to be obedient. Jesus opens doors that no man can shut and shuts doors that no man can open. He controls the doors. We don't have to worry about them. We just have to be patient. We have to trust that when doors are shut, even if we were sure that that was our path forward, that he's got, he's got something. He's working. He's always working on our behalf. The door that opens may not be what we think it should look like, but he has a way forward for us. Stop looking at the door whether it's open or shut, what's behind it, if it looks good, bad. It just doesn't matter. Just keep your eyes on him. When we wait upon the Lord, we will renew our strength. When we trust in him, we will not be put to shame. Friends, the truth is there's only really one door that we need to worry about in our lives. Jesus can open and shut doors that no man can change. But there's one door that he entrusts to us. One door that he chooses not to have any control over. And that's the door to our hearts. As Christine was praying for the kids earlier, and she said, he just wants your heart. That's so true. He just wants your heart. In Revelation 3.20, It says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him, and he with me. Guys, God just wants our hearts. He wants the door to our hearts to be open to him. He wants to come in and dine with us. That speaks of intimacy. 
He wants access to our lives. He wants us to trust Him and be obedient to Him. He wants to lead and direct us. He wants to open those doors for us. And He wants us to trust Him as He is doing what He does. Trust Him in the waiting. Trust Him in what lies ahead. He wants us to keep our eyes on Him, not circumstances, not raging seas and giants, just Him. Friends, when we swing wide the door of our hearts to Him, all the other stuff just fades away. We stop worrying. We stop trying to make things happen. We can enjoy the season we're in. I mean, sometimes it's not like going from a bad season to a good one. It might be a good one to a good one or whatever. But when we get so hung up on stuff and we're not allowing the Lord in, we, sometimes we can't even enjoy the season we're in. But when we open our hearts, we can enjoy the season we're in and we can trust him for the next one. But that door is our door to control. If we have to watch a door, if we're door watchers, let's watch that one. Let's make sure that the door of our hearts are open to Jesus. Friends, if you feel stuck, check your door. If you feel like you're in this transitional place and you feel like you're staring at nothing but closed doors, look up. Lock eyes with Jesus. Reset your gaze on him. And if Jesus has told you the door is open, still keep your eyes on him. Walk through it. Don't worry about the giants. Don't worry about the seas. And if you're standing at the edge of the river and Jesus said to cross it, take that first step. And then watch and let him amaze you. Because he is an amazing God. He loves us so much. Don't worry about it. Just keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on the Lord.